1: And thank you very much and uh, welcome aboard on this Thursday, uh, Friday Eve, as we like to say. Uh, that means we only got one more day till we get out of school for the weekend. <laughs> that was always my favorite time. There was nothing better than Friday, even waking up on Friday morning, knowing that you just had a few more hours until you were free, free at last. And uh, you can make it through anything, you can make it through one more day, and uh Especially during grade school. Grade schools were some of my favorite year. part. It was easy. You know, you didn't have any, a huge amount of homework. In fact, I never had homework. And uh, I loved the chili cheese dogs they had in the cafeteria in the morning. you go in there and get you a chili cheese dog for breakfast. <laughs> a little carton of chocolate milk. And um, and you went to lunch at about 11 o'clock. And then we were, but we, in those days, you went from like 9 to 4. I mean, you didn't get out of school until 4 o'clock. I don't know how they do that three o'clock thing, but, uh, I get maybe they don't do P E anymore. I, my, that was my other day. I love lunch and P E and history and, uh, reading and, uh, math and spelling. I I, I just felt like what a waste of time. <laughs> I know how to count my toes and my fingers. And after that, my multiplication tables are over with, <laughs> but, uh, it was, uh, those were fun years. And then it was, uh, rawhide on Friday night and, uh, with Saturday morning cartoons. And when I got a little bit older, American bandstand, I think it came out at 11 o'clock. I always got up early, washed my car, watch American bandstand. And then, uh, Saturday night was date night. No responsibility, <laughs> but I always worked a lot. I always had some kind of job, paper routes, mowing lawns. And then the oil field. All right, let's get back to uh, the subject at hand, which is uh, what's going on in the world. And uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre says, no matter what it looks like, it was planned that Biden left the Medal of Honor ceremony the other day as planned. Remember, he came in, and he had his mask on. And then he walked over, and this older gentleman was going to get the Medal of Honor. And Jay takes his mask off. Now, remember, his wife has been diagnosed as positive with COVID. And uh, he's been, he hangs around with her all the time. You know, that's that's his wife. And though, even though he's tested as positive, just because you test, I mean, negative, you test negative, that doesn't mean you're not carrying the germ, you know? So he leans over this guy and he's putting the Medal of Honor on him. And then he just kind of walks away. So here's uh, Corinne Jean Pierre, cut two.
2: And he left as planned, as it was planned. Uh, he left uh, when there was a pause in the program in order to minimize to minimize his close contact with attendees, uh, who are, uh, who are about to participate in a reception. And I, uh, you all reported that noticed that he left, uh, uh, when there was a pause in the program, because again, he wanted to minimize, uh, certainly, uh, uh his impact on folks who were there.
1: So there you are. That's uh, it was all planned out. Now this, now, Mr. President, this is where you wander through the crowd while we all try to reach out to you and go this way, Mr. President, <laughs> you forgot your mask. Oh, man. Uh, there, by the way, there there is some gossip uh, on uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, she is uh, married to, well, she calls her her wife, a former CNN uh, correspondent. Uh, and apparently they have uh, decided to break up. It's sad because they got uh, an adopted daughter, a nine-year-old adopted daughter, and that's always tragic. I don't care what the relationship is. It's uh, having your parents split up. Uh, but she just left CNN. They've been together 10 years. She just left CNN uh, this past January. And, uh, Corinne Jean Pierre kept her job at the white house. So I'm thinking, you know, that could be the rub, you know, the, her wife is at home watching TV and getting to spend all day, hanging out with a kid. She got to get up and go have reporters yelling at her, (laughs) making up stories. And so, you know, something's happened. There's a, uh, there's something wrong in paradise, but I wouldn't wish that on anybody. That's a terrible thing to have to do. go through a breakup and then get out and stand up in front of a bunch of people. That, Cause I said, she'd get a little testy. when they ask her that question about the medal of honor ceremony and in the meantime, uh, Kamala Harris, who's our vice president, you may not realize that, uh, is praising Biden on his ability to understand issues that no one else can understand. Cut four.
3: First of all, let me say that our president has been an extraordinary leader who has accomplished things that previous presidents hoped and dreamed and promised they would do and did not achieve. Like So, yes, I step. see him every day. A substantial amount of time we spend together is in the Oval Office where I see how his ability to understand issues and weave through complex issues in a way that no one else can to make smart and important decisions on behalf of the American people, have played out.
1: Is she serious? I mean, that's that's crazy. Uh, and then she didn't leave that alone. She came up with some more Kamala word salad. Cut eight.
3: I feel very strongly about um, the importance as a general matter of engaging in U.S. policy as it relates to foreign affairs in a way that we pay attention, of course, to the immediate concerns and threats, if they exist, but that we also pay attention to 10, 20, 30 years down the line and what we are developing now that will be to the benefit of our country.
1: Uh, What? That's like when you you have to get up and give a speech uh, in speech class, and you have no idea what the book was about. Well, it starts off uh, with the main character really not understanding where he was, but with the thought that he could figure it out before the end of the book, although he didn't know he was in a book at the time because it's about him. Uh, But then the premise of the book goes on to show that the uh, disproportionate number of different thoughts that he had during this course of time well you get it it's called buffalo tracks and, and the speech teacher was really good at going what the hell are you talking about is it, this not clear am i not coming through clear so there you are uh, uh some word salad from come but and this should really make you feel a lot better about the situation Kamala says that she is ready to take over as President Biden, if need be, cut number
4: nine. The question about the president's age often go hand in hand with questions about how you would step in the role, you know, if necessary. Do you feel prepared for that
1: possibility uh, <laughs> And serving as vice president prepared you for, for that job? Yes. Um, Without hesitation. How would you, you know, describe the, that, that process?
3: Which process? Okay, as as step you know, in. <laughs> Well, first of all, let us I'm answering your hypothetical, um, but Joe Biden's going to be fine. So that is gonna not going to come to fruition. But let us also understand that every vice president, every vice president, understands that when they take the oath, that they must be very clear about the responsibility they may have to take over the job of being president. That's what he's asking you. I am no different.
1: But you never answered the question. You see, he was asking you, "Are you prepared?" And how are you prepared? And you just said, "I'm yes, I am prepared." How are you prepared? I just answered that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I really am. It's it's like you just go, "My goodness," uh, which could be the reason for this. Uh, CNN poll: seventy percent of Americans say. Things are going badly in the country today, cut 17.
0: And then just take a look at the mood of the country right now. 30% of Americans in this poll say things are going well today, Sir, 7 in 10 Americans say they're going badly.
5: I am going to make the assumption that the economic concerns are one of the really big issues for Americans. Inflation, not having their jobs, give them enough money to sort of keep up
1: i'd say uh, economic situation probably is impacting everybody uh colin my young colleague here who's running the board a uh, young man still in college and uh have you been impacted when you go out to eat i in fact i let me scoot this over hold on this is a wide
6: I mean i would say the effects have pretty much uh impacted everybody in today i mean you you go out to eat i went out to eat at a uh, at a mexican restaurant yesterday earl and it was 15 dollars just for a quesadilla i mean you know there's there's impacts across the board i
1: feel that was one of the food trucks yeah well a quesadilla Mm -hmm, which is basically cheese and did did you have some kind of protein Mm -hmm. on there like chicken or yeah it had
6: chicken in it but no other was it a big chicken it was big enough i'll tell you that i I did get full but
1: you couldn't afford a bigger chicken could you couldn't you? afford
6: a bigger one yeah
1: i went to taco bell for the first time in a long time they got a bean burrito and a taco and it was like six bucks you used to be able to get like a sack full of tacos for like three dollars i mean a sack full anybody want a taco anybody <laughs> <laughs> but not today so yeah i would say that everybody is affected and when you see cadillacs and mercedes and uh, and lexus at the uh, up at uh, not even at mcdonald's they can't afford mcdonald's <laughs> at taco bell is killing it right now <laughs> at any rate we're going to take a quick break uh, come back we've got a big show lined up for you we got uh, mike adamson coming in we got the nfl starts tonight and some big college games going on this weekend but before that we got alex grizzani coming in and his great restaurant down in south haven they're all ready for football season. We'll be talking about some of the great dishes they have down there. And uh, so a big show coming. And then also we have a lady by the name of CeCe Carter who has a uh, a uh, podcast that she's going to have a tribute to the nine eleven 11 coming up on Monday. But we're going to give you a preview today. She's uh, going to check in with us. And uh, this is very moving. But then on the podcast herself, I've actually got to hear her podcast. that's going to air on Monday. And she makes a lot of points that I've never heard people make before about 9-11. And, of course, the president will be in Alaska, nowhere near New York City, uh, on 9-11. But we'll talk about all that coming up. Stay with us. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon. A great day out today. Uh, we got sunny skies. Uh, I think it's 87 degrees and... Uh, just hardly any humidity you know and this is what people in california have to put up not even this warm and when you take the heat out of in fact i was talking to alex gonzani out he's in the green room right now before he comes on and we were talking about the heat he went up to um, oregon to visit his uh, son and said gosh he said up there they shut down if it gets close to a hundred you know that, that's it <laughs> can't work in this heat but they don't have air conditioning up there we, nobody would survive in the south without air conditioning But it is, it is. it takes so much. It's like a a huge weight is lifted off your back when the weather's nice. So we're getting ready to enter the best part of Memphis weather, fall. And uh, I like spring. Spring's great because it means you're coming out of the cold, bitter months of winter. But it is also a leading indicator that the heat's coming back. You just never know when. Uh, So that's why I love fall. That means you got the pad of winter in between you and uh, next spring and then the terrible heat of the summer. Uh, We're talking about uh, Donald Trump uh, in his, all his things. I was talking about yesterday about how how does a guy like that keep up with uh, all the things that are going on with him? But Hugh Hugh Hewitt asked him if he'd like to debate Meghan Markle. and He said he would love to cut 10.
4: 90 million people. And the only thing I think that might draw an audience that even approaches that would be if you were to sit down with the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they don't like you much. Would you do that for the ratings? Well,
1: I don't know that they don't like me. I said uh, that I don't think they're very appropriate, what they're saying, what they're doing. And I didn't like the way she dealt with the queen. I became very friendly with the queen. She was an incredible woman. At 95, she was so sharp. She was 100%. When you watch Biden, you say, this is a different planet. But uh, they treated her with great disrespect, and I didn't like it. And uh, I didn't like the idea that they were getting U.S. security when
4: they came over here.
1: Now, I, I think it's uh, it's not a good situation going on with uh, the two of them. But I didn't know that they don't like me. Somebody mentioned it might be possible. They wouldn't be the only ones.
4: But, I mean, that would get ratings, wouldn't it?
1: Oh, if you want to set it up, let's set it up. <laughs> let's, let's do something. I'll, I'll
4: I'd love to debate her. I would love uh, it. I all right. Now let's get so serious. What, I disagree so
1: much with what they're doing. Well, I don't think it's going to happen. I just see her going, well, how much would I make? <laughs> oh no. This is just a, uh, you know, uh, for entertainment, our entertainment. we like to see, uh, Trump slice and dice. you. <laughs> I don't think it happened. You know, Harry's over in England visiting without her. They said, Harry, it is okay to return to Great Britain, but do not bring her with you. <laughs> and apparently, he didn't. Let's bring a royalty. Whoopi Goldberg gives a COVID update from the confinement of her room. Uh, apparently, I don't know if they got her in a room away from the rest of the cast, or whether it's from her room at home. And she's she's uh, coordinated uh, quarantined herself at her home, wherever that is. Or just nobody will hang out with her. Cut 14.
3: I just I have COVID. <laughs> I just have COVID. I'm still testing positive, apparently. Uh, I have to have a clear test before I can come back. So, you know, I can't wait to get back and hang out. But in, until then,
1: it's me and my mask. And I'm sort of confined <laughs> to
3: my room.
1: As well you should be, Whoopi. We all voted. We voted for you to stay there. (laughs) They're not even allowed to even check in with you. Uh, She lives in New York City, which I think is interesting, because Mayor Adams warns that migrant crisis will destroy New York City and rips the great one, Biden, for failing to help. Cut number 11.
4: we turned this city around in 20 months. And then what happened? started with a madman down in texas decided he wanted to bust people up to new york city how dare he hundred and ten thousand migrants
1: not a drop of the buck they have Let cross feed
4: over. clothes house educate the t- children wash their laundry sheets f- give them everything they need health care and this team here We stated, let's do everything possible before we have to push it out into neighborhoods and communities. Month after month, I stood up and I said, this is going to come to a neighborhood near you. (laughs) Well, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're getting no support on this national crisis. And we're receiving no support. And let me tell you something, New Yorkers. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to? I don't see an ending to this. I do. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City.
1: And the rest of the country.
4: Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month.
1: Not a drop of the bucket. How many One time
4: we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. Now we're getting Russian-speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut Every service in this city is going to be impacted. All of us. And so I say to you, as I turn it over to you, this is some some of the most educated, some of the most knowledgeable, probably more of my commissioners and deputy commissioners and chiefs live in this community. So as you ask me a question about migrants, tell me what role you played. How many of you organized to stop what they're doing to us? How many of you were part of the movement to say we're seeing what this mayor is trying to do and they're destroying New York City. It's going to come to your neighborhoods.
1: It's going All to come. Of us
4: are going to be impacted by this.
1: It's going to come to everybody's neighborhood in every state in the continental US because they're coming over over 2 million have come in since Biden has become president and they still coming and he's not doing anything to stop it. All right, we're going to take a break. Alex Grisanti of the Grisanti family in the building. He'll be up next.
0: Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell.
1: And thank you very much and welcome back on this uh, Thursday afternoon. And we're honored to have my good friend Alex Grisotti, uh of the Grosati family, which is an institution in this city. And uh, I've known him for ever since he was a young man that's right How's that make you feel that
7: cold <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and of course he's got his he and his lovely wife uh, have their restaurant down in south haven and uh this how long
7: have you been open now three years we opened uh, uh we opened up three years ago right in the middle of corona and uh john reeves uh, is the one who brought me down there and we always laugh that we have to be the uh Either the dumbest or smartest guys in the world for opening up in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs>
1: but you know, a lot of people did, and and it's because nobody knew where that was going. And uh, and you were still really in construction. You got the pizza place next door, and then you got uh, Grisani's, the full service restaurant right next door to that. And your pizza place did. Uh, you, that's what probably helped you make it through the the pandemic.
7: We uh the pizza place with next door definitely helped us through the pandemic. Um our food truck, you know, stayed on the road the whole time we were um going through the pandemic and about the first year and a half we um were in business. Uh then I kinda shuttered down the pizza side and uh blew the walls out. And oh
1: so that's the walls the separated is now gone. Yes, sir. Okay, so, so now it's the Make, kind of make, puts up next to the bar so the pizza place was like behind the bar
7: yeah and uh it's like the old ronnie's on where yeah. i got a big u-shaped bar i got gotcha. in, in the middle of the restaurant and uh i told my wife i said you know we could sell a whole lot more jack daniels than i can pizza. so <laughs> less filling <laughs> that's right it, 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 and the price is good <laughs> the price is is you
1: know talking about ronnie's i remember uh, that place uh so well um, and, uh, I remember the Jerry Mathers, the beaver who was on Believe It the beaver. He was, he came to town on a promotional thing, uh, do, doing this documentary on beavers. And so they got leave it to beaver to be the, uh, tour of the country and promote this, uh, IMAX movie. And so I hung out with him that day when I was, this was on channel five, just to see the reaction he got, wherever he went and people to me, it was like a friend they grew up with. Cause they watched it on TV. So I call Ronnie, your dad, and I say, Ronnie, listen, we got Jerry Mathers, the Beaver, who's from I'll Leave It to Beaver, for some of years, and he's in town. He wants to come there and have dinner. Can I get make reservations for him? He goes, What's Leave It to Beaver? <laughs> because he he always was working, working, you know. He never watched any shows. wasn't believe me, Ronnie, he's big. He's big. <laughs> and that's back when the people were signing the walls, and Jerry Mathers signed the wall inside there.
7: I wish I could have taken those walls with us when we left, yeah. you know, at that, uh, place. We had some, some really good times at that, uh, play. we were talking the other day about when daddy started and I started going back through the times and, you know, we started, uh, in 1978, we went to union and Marshall at sun studio. I,
1: I went there. Well, you, you were there before, but I was, I got here in 70, uh, in January of 78 and i went up that outside fire escape to get to it right that's right and it probably had what five tables in there it was very small it was a tiny place and uh I, that's when i first went there then in fact i just saw yesterday that ashler hall they're trying to open that up as an
7: event venue but remember you guys opened at ashler hall we uh, my grandfather was at ashler hall at on uh central for years um and that's when big John came you know, on the scene, he came out to be the front man, uh, at, at Ashle halls where he started cutting his teeth to be in the business. Um, so those were some years ago, but I'm, uh, really excited about, uh, the young lady who took over, um, Ashland hall is she's dumped a ton of money into it. obviously, I And it is beautiful. Um,
1: well, the thing that what I try to tell everybody, and that's why I try to have restaurant tours like yourself on—you really are part of the history of Memphis. Your whole family is, and that, it's not just the food. Although the food's a huge part of it, if it wasn't good, none of you would still be in business. So many of you are, and um, but it is the great thing about Italian food. It's sort of like Mexican food—you can eat it every day. What other food out there can you eat every single day and not get sick of it?
7: Besides the cupboard, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a vibe, right? It's American cuisine, just, you know, home cooking. The uh, We'll be 116 years in the city this year, Earl. Uh, we've been blessed. Um, like I was saying, we were talking, um, I was talking to a young lady the other day and she was inquisiting about, you know, the Grisani history mm-hmm. and the family and she said a bunch of people had kind of pointed her towards me to, uh, get timelines and dates and all that. And heck, I hadn't been through it in so long. I, um, somebody uh, wrote a script down, um, I guess about 40, 50 years ago. And, you know, it had from when my great grandfather and my grandmother, was Mary and Elfo, my grandfather and my grandmother, and, you know, it just had all the timelines and just to kind of sit down and, and relook over it as uh the older I get, I guess the more I appreciate it. And I was telling the, uh, the young lady I was talking to as well. Uh, I said, you know, I feel more, my family is not just, we're not just restaurant tours. I feel like my dad and, um, uh, big John and my uncle Frank and, you know, we, they've been, um, uplifters, promoters, uh, just like yourself, you know, you, they always wanted the best for what was for Memphis yeah. and what was for the city. It was never a, a greed thing or a, a promotional thing for them. It was always a, a true passionate love for the people and for what they did.
1: And well, you got to love the restaurant to be in the restaurant business. It is. It, it, I've done a lot of things and owning a restaurant and running one is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And and until you've actually done it, you have no concept of the detail and the amount of hard work that goes into it.
7: That's what uh, people, when I was a out for a couple of years and uh, I told my wife, I said, I, I know you hate me being in it and I know it's not something that, you know, 30 years of being married to me, was, it's uh, either a food truck or a restaurant. You know, yeah. I it's, it's in my blood. You're absolutely That's right. That's what it, you know and you're great at it. it i don't know anything else maybe sometimes i wish i did (laughs) but uh, i tried other avenues and they didn't work out so well for me um it's uh it's a labor of love and um i love it my wife loves it you know um, i was Um, I got a double-edged sword. I I, I wish my kids loved it as much as I do, but I'm kind of glad they don't. uh. Well, that's
1: what I had uh, my last restaurant, Garcia Wells, down over the square. And my kids, I said, so what do y'all think? This would be something like y'all like to take over one day? They went, Dad, we never wanted to do this. (laughs) (laughs) And my daughter works for the chamber in Collierville. My son's a cowboy down in Hernando, raising horses and cattle and loving every minute of it. But they saw how hard it was. I mean, it, it, you get there early in the morning and you're there until closing. If you're the owner and, uh, you know, and, and everybody else gets to leave, and they're the happiest day for them is payday. And that's the most miserable day for me because they get their check. I'll see you
7: later. <laughs> that, that, that's the saddest day for me of the week, too, is payday. <laughs> that's what I told them the other day. I said, if y'all guys, uh, we don't get a little busier here after June. I said I might have to borrow some money from my wait staff. <laughs> and they probably say, "Well, you know, we charge pretty high interest. <laughs> yes, we're bankers now." Uh, we're talking with Alex
1: Grazani of uh, Grazani's and Alfo's down in South Haven. And is it is what's the name of the street you're on in South Haven?
7: We're on Getwell. Getwell. Right on Getwell. We're right across from uh,
0: the, the uh, amphitheater down there.
7: Yes, sir. From uh, the uh, Bank Plus Amphitheater. And right down from uh, Silo Square, uh, uh, we're on the right-hand side. um, You're going south. Yes, we're going south. uh, Right across the street from DeSoto uh, uh, School. Yeah, um,
1: But uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about the great things they have because football's cranking up, tailgating's cranking up, but even if you're not tailgating, you want great food when you're sitting down to watch a football game. Food is the biggest part of football as the ball. And we're going to talk about Grazani's food when we come back. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, we got my good friend Alex Grazani in the studio today with Alex's uh, Grazani restaurant down in South Haven with Alpha. Is, is Alpha still, do you still call the pizza part Alpha or is it just all Grazani's
7: now? It's just, well, we started, you know, my wife and I started the Alpha's uh, brand back about 25 years ago. And, as we went through this journey uh as we you know went to Germantown and we were there for fourteen years and uh they we were very successful
1: there very successful yeah, did great
7: great run uh there uh that's when daddy passed away kind of life got the best of me um uh, when him and mama passed away uh very close to each other yes yeah eight months apart wow so I say daddy uh passed away of a broken heart um. And uh, I kind of truly believe that, yeah. you know, when he went to the hospital, we put him in the hospital and they called me that Wednesday morning and told me he'd passed away. Uh, you know, would have never thought he was going there to pass away. Um,
1: well it, it, in so many cases, my mom, and dad just died probably less than two years apart. And, uh, it's, when somebody has been part of your life for most of your life, all of a sudden they're just not there anymore. I remember dad kept the TVs on in every room and I said, uh, you do that just for the noise? Yeah, because it's so quiet here. You know, there's nobody. She was always singing and laughing. And when and, and that stopped one day, I and mean, when their whole lives just changed. And so you can imagine how heartbreaking it is. But he left a, an incredible legacy. And in fact, your whole family has big John often said they should start, Memphis Restaurant Association should start an award, Restaurant of the Year, the John Grisanti Award. He did, he did more to teach people about wine than anybody in this city's history
7: and he did he he really brought the california wine scene you know back when they started uh big john started the wine collections and 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 really starting to buy wines and you know they held the two guinness books world records back in the day for the most expensive bottle of chateau lafitte's and uh you know dad my dad was the only true sommelier out of the whole family yeah. he he went through Stundied the it, Yeah, and uh and then in the early 80s um you know I started traveling over to Italy and making relations and uh, I think you went
1: over and reestablished with your family uh and and lived there and learned to cook it their way
7: learned to cook their way learned to live their way um I entrenched myself into it I met uh the likes of uh you know angelo gaia bruno jacosa some of the biggest winemakers in the world and earl the funny part about it is uh you know when i met these folks the first time uh first time i met angelo gaia he was on a tractor wow and 15 in the vineyard in a vineyard working i mean that's he was not successful yet he had plenty of wine and grapes but they were not a, a a success um and we started bringing in uh the de medicis uh wine uh Lorenzo de uh she's a very famous cookbook writer and author and um we started promoting her wines at the restaurant and bringing those in through uh delta wholesale which is now empire um you know all the good old wine houses have sure. been bought out by mega corporations but um yeah, Big John, uh, he, he started that ball rolling, and um, I feel like uh, my dad and I picked it up, and uh, I carried it for a long time. Um, I, I kind of give myself a little, little pat on the back for bringing uh, Stanislaus tomatoes to uh, Memphis, um, Cholula hot sauce. And I love Cholula hot everybody does I mean no I've never seen it before till right here the, the, we used to go to a train cart in Little Rock and get our tomatoes and Cholula hot sauce off a train <laughs> cart and drive it back to Memphis me and my brother did back in the day but uh the wine scene um you know I I, I really got passionate about it and um it was just one of my big driving forces for years to go over there and you
1: still have great wine selection but it's all affordable wines you're not people are coming in buying lafayette uh, rothschilds and any of the big expensive i guess you, you can get as expensive wine as you want at your restaurant but uh most people would come in and have a good uh chianti and uh or merlot or a, a sauvignon blanc you know something that says that they like but the food i want to get into because we got a few minutes left uh, this is football season. And what are the leading things that you, when people say, I, I got to have something for tailgating, what do you suggest on tailgating?
7: You got to have some uh, of my homemade lasagna, manicotti. That's what I always drive people to if they're taking something to go home. It's hearty, it's filling, everything's uh, made fresh every day. Uh, my homemade raviolis, of course. The only thing my wife will not let go out the door is the toasted raviolis. Cause once it
1: gets cold, it ain't the same.
7: It ain't the same. And when they call and complain, she goes, I told you not to do it. So I'm not going to, I got to sit here and watch you eat it. I got a tough one. Now she, my wife is, uh, she's a trooper. She, uh, is in the trenches with me every day and, and, um, she's really learned, uh, how to handle the that's why out. when i
1: put up the promo today i put both your pictures up because you, you're a team you and did I said, good I, said,
7: <laughs> <laughs> I know how things work but mine's the same way don't don't leave her out 30 yeah. years of putting up with me she needs a a a, a sainthood oh, <laughs> your
1: wife and mine both uh, already got the the place up there you know the uh
7: we've been um like i said we've we've been blessed uh to south haven i never thought i would take our grizzani brand or our heritage outside of memphis tennessee and uh like i said john reeves came talked to me made me a an offer but i, c- I couldn't refuse <laughs> literally and um it has been a blessing wow. um we uh like i said we're at 5627 Getwell road i live and die the last words my dad said to me um about a week before he passed away, was son. I'm going to tell you one thing uh, bigger's not better, bigger's not more in our industry. And if you make the Elfo special, our and spinach and garlic bread, you can make a living for your family. Don't get off the beaten path. And you haven't. And I haven't. No, it's still great, great,
1: great food. And uh, you're headed there right now. Yes, sir. I've so been you...
7: there and I'm going back. <laughs>
1: I appreciate you coming in, Alex. I think uh, uh, a lot of people out there uh, maybe not realize that you're about down in South Haven, but I tell everybody it's worth a trip because you're not going to find anything else like it in Memphis. And uh, go see them. Uh, they do, you do lunch and dinner.
7: Uh, uh, we open Monday through uh, Saturday, 4 p.m. until close. No lunch call the food truck and I'll come I'll
1: come to you. He'll cater you. That's right. Alex Grisotti, tell your lovely wife hi and uh, we're going to come see you. Thank you so much for having me. You're sure welcome. Alright, we're going to talk uh, football when we
0: come back. Stay with us. He grew up in the oil fields of West Texas. He's been all over the Western Hemisphere. A radio and TV veteran. Former restaurateur and a cowboy at heart. He's Earl Farrell and he calls Memphis home because Memphis is cool. This is the Earl Farrell for Memphis show. Brought to you by Southern Security Security, your home team credit union and by kathy thurman edwards state farm insurance and now here's your host earl
1: farrell and thank you very much and uh welcome back uh boy, just sitting talking to alice grizzani man makes you hungry
6: oh man it does, talk about the, the, he, he <laughs> right. makes some pretty
1: good food oh it's incredible <laughs> uh I mean, I could literally eat one of those whole lasagnas by myself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd have to string it out over a day, but I could eat the whole thing myself.
6: That's one of the best things I think going there and getting that food is just what you said. It's not one meal. It's usually two or three.
1: Yeah, because if you're going to make the trip to South Haven, go ahead and get some stuff and freeze it, uh-huh. you know, and then warm it up. And it's great. Uh, but the, this is, like you said, they don't let the toasted ravioli. You got to eat it there. <laughs>
6: I'll, I'll do that. I don't have yeah. a problem with that. Or That's
1: whatever. a little warm-up snack to get you home on. <laughs> uh mike adamson is with us he, he's uh, getting ready to, to referee another uh, youth game tonight Ute youth. Youth, youth football tonight uh, you
6: know they have ball games too they need still need referees so we'll be out there get to go over to christ methodist church tonight get to do two two
1: ball games i noticed last week after our show that there was a game at cordova that uh-huh. has had some kind of threat made and they had sheriff's department guys there uh the school system police were there the uh, police department was there and everybody went through metal detectors
6: yeah it's more and more the uh schools are starting to go with the metal detectors when you're walking in which in my opinion is very sad
1: um but, but it, it, they're being safe and there had been a threat made yeah and uh the
6: uh you know and, and the bad part when those threats are made you know how how threatening are they but you got to take them like the real every time they happen that's the bad part about it so
1: well uh and then I guess it'd be too hard for you to wear a bulletproof vest while you're out there, <laughs> referee. Well, <laughs> kind of...
6: Earl, I'm I'm slow enough, and my belly—I don't know if the, I'd be able to get that vest around me. But well, they got that I, Velcro stuff, you know. <laughs> let out I I feel pretty confident that I'm not going to get shot. Not saying it won't happen, but uh, I, that, that's not something that I really worry about. Um, some of the schools you go to, you know, there's uh, some risk involved when you go out to the cars. So
1: let me like let that. me ask you this: When you're refereeing a game, and you hear a car backfire, do you duck? <laughs>
6: Well, I don't duck but depending on where I am you may uh, you, you look around a lot quicker uh things like that the uh and, you know you said that the event at cordova is just unfortunate because you, know, you get so many people there and uh you know it's hard to protect everyone and that's that's what to me that's what's sad when they start making a an event that's supposed to be for kids having a good time family event having a good time and now all of a sudden there's a threat of violence that kind of
1: my opinion well it's just and it didn't exist in our day yeah it just didn't exist now there were plenty of fights after a game yeah because you you whoever you beat or or lost to in football you can go change and everybody go back to their schools get in your private vehicles and you go out looking for those guys that either beat you or said something to you during the game and we would have, but it was a fist fight nobody ever got hurt well
6: that's what i was gonna say the next part of that it wasn't like a real fight you know no. where people just beat it's not a, it's like you slap in, around a little bit usually it's the smallest guy in the group mouthing off to the biggest guy in the other group and then and, saying, and then you got to hold both
1: of them back <laughs>
6: yeah gonna, i'm gonna get him i'm gonna get him
1: although we used to drive around after the game and we'd slide down our seats like we were little guys uh-huh. and then we'd drive back and, and say disparaging things to guys in other cars who we could tell weren't very big <laughs> and we get them to chase us into a parking lot and then we'd get them they'd be banging on our car with us get out get out we're gonna kill you and then we'd start getting out of it holy moly so let's take a make a break try to get back in mm-hmm. their car we wouldn't let them well my, my one of my best
6: weapons when those situations as you know i'm a small person or well i'm not that small anymore but i was then 115 pounds Was speed
1: you were fast so I, I
6: could outrun Crook. you i had no worry
1: <laughs> well and you had to be smart too i remember when i they we had these uh tri-high y clubs we were the celtics and their friend or the spartans and ominous to the tri-high the ymca uh, they didn't know that we would have these initiation things. And we'd have like rumbles, you know, mm-hmm. but it was fist fights, that kind of stuff. I remember we were going to go to uh, this out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas, and we we're on the back of a pickup truck, they, and they already done, poured oil on us. They had made us run through uh, mucky buck and did everything to us, and they said we're going to meet the Spartans, and we're going to get, you guys are going to fight. So I said, I'm ready. So I told next <laughs> my good buddy, I said, look, everybody jumps out there's like 20 of us in the back of this pickup truck when we pull up there it's dark when we jump out jump out roll under the truck and let them battle it out and we'll crawl (laughs) out toward the end and go who's wanting some more of this that's exactly what we did you
6: know and that's smart i think majority of the time like you said Let's say you you it's a few swats. somebody of probably grab and slap your You started. might get a,
1: a busted <laughs> lip or bloody nose, but not nobody. Not one person ever got a broken bone or uh-huh. or cut or anything. And
6: and and now the especially me, I was into the truck. <laughs> well, you just didn't want the truck to move. <laughs> the uh you know the difference now is they the, those violent things they have they involve guns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, uh, and know,
1: that is sad I mean, it's just it, it's. It's because a lot of these kids are growing up with no parents and they have, they have no idea the value of life or what the r- r- ramifications are going to be when you take somebody's life. I mean, yeah. that changes everything forever.
6: Well, and you, you see all the movies on TV and stuff. They, when those things happen, it, it desensitize desensitizes, I can't say that word right now.
1: Desensitizes you. Yeah,
6: that's what I'm trying to say.
1: That's why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> i can say antelope too
6: <laughs> or, and they forget you know <laughs> the, the, the consequences that happen you shoot a gun something the possibility of something bad happening i'm not against guns but that's a, a bad part when people don't know but you are
1: it's. responsible for wherever that bullet goes
6: yes and, and in fact one of those uh i saw one of those videos on uh on, on facebook today where the people are doing the donuts and stuff like that uh in downtown memphis and one of the guys going around with a gun in his hand yeah and you know, I all that takes is, is the force of that car. To-
1: I got a story right here where a the uh, people are doing burnouts, and they yeah. this woman got thrown out of the car. Yeah, and and, and, and so that,
6: that's that's where I was leading to on that. And and, and one of them had it, like I said, he had a gun. It's bad enough the girl falls out of the car, but you know, like I said, you you know you're spinning around with that momentum. There's no telling where no. the gun's going to go, and um just, just stupid. And I, well, I don't think they take the responsibility. Just listen to
1: these kids. Don't do that anymore. All right.
6: They need to be smart like us.
1: Right? Be smart like us. You want to do donuts? Go to Gibson's Donut and eat them.
6: And they're a lot better. And if you go after eleven o'clock, they're only twenty five. If cents. you drop
1: one, nobody gets hurt. <laughs> all right mike's here we're gonna talk some football Do you got the sheets here
6: i got i got some important sheets for us earl all right and I, I i broke that up just a little different than what we've done in the past i hope i didn't run this by you or this no that's okay I'm, so, I'm light on my feet right right now you're gonna go along
1: with it afterwards yeah. you may yell and did you, do you have an extra pencil i, I do not you that's
6: don't my, i usually bring one of, uh, um boy i i, I I'll, I'll be able to remember the one i'll you just do took it wrong. for
1: both of us i'll just do uh the initials here for it
6: but i i, I kind of broke it up into college and uh okay. I, I well tonight all the nfl tonight's
1: the kansas city chiefs and, uh, and the detroit lions and even though kansas city chief was uh, you know was the big dogs last year right mm-hmm. they, they won the national i mean the super bowl yeah second time for them yeah and detroit hasn't really had a good team in forever in like uh, since the beginning of the existence of their team but uh the kansas city chiefs lead receiver is he playing tonight that's the question because i've heard that he might not be playing and without him and the detroit i understand has really gotten uh, some good people on defense and some good offensive line people
6: i like your enthusiasm for the lions yeah i hope they're feeling it because they're going to get killed tonight
1: (laughs) so you're definitely going uh with uh, With, the Chiefs. yeah definitely definitely think the chiefs well so am i i was just trying to you know but I, I do think the, the Lions, sunshine
6: they, they're, they're, they're excited because they might be over 500 this
1: year. Hey, it's the football starts. I don't care who wins tonight, you know, as long as it's not the Cowboys losing. That's all
6: i well, we'll go into that category shortly.
1: <laughs> Maybe we could wrap this up. Listen, I, I have a lot of things to say, and I've heard a lot of people say it too, that uh, the Cowboys could really do it this year. Uh,
6: you know, it's funny. It's kind of like the uh, one of those teams. I think the Cowboys fans say that every year they're like the jets yeah but this year this, this year's our year
1: we never change anything this year <laughs> if we don't win there's heads are gonna roll
6: for, for your for your sake i hope they have a
1: good year okay next up tennessee titans at new orleans uh the north the
6: saints are the ones that are gonna be struggling i think the titans will take this
1: one. i think so too both of us going with the titans jacksonville jaguars uh colin do you want to end on this okay I'll, I'll, you're now instead of call it, i'm right in the end kansas city game who's going to win that kansas city and uh the titans game who's going to win that titans okay we're all the same he's jumping on our yes. leg like he said those guys seem smart to me that's why we didn't give you a mic we're going to talk for you <laughs> these guys are geniuses <laughs> and the- and they're so handsome, you too. <laughs>
6: you know, he, it's what I'm, he's saying both. You just can't hear him because he doesn't have a mic. But. That's right.
1: We're not giving him a mic either. We're going to tell you what he said. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars at Indianapolis Colts.
6: You know, and I, just so you know, I put the Colts on our NFL list because I'm a Colts fan. That's why they're there. Uh, I think the Colts are going to struggle this year, and uh, but I would love it if they going to start out with a win. So well, I'm, I'm going to go with the Colts at the beginning.
1: Uh. Now the Jaguars. Who's there? Who is it? It's Charlotte that got the Alabama quarterback, right? I believe so. Yeah, so it's I not Charlotte. It. I'm, I'm gonna think I'm going with uh, Indianapolis as well. Good pick. Uh, that's uh, and uh, Colin. The Jags. Uh, now, what, now, why are you going with the Jags? I, just, I think they can do it. He thinks they can do it, ladies and gentlemen. He, he was feeling the pressure. Yeah. And he, f- he felt that he was picking just because we picked him. Yeah he says i don't want to look like a copycat <laughs> uh all right here's the big one though the dallas cowboys at new york sunday night ball game. sunday night ball game and the sunday night football is always fun and you watch. should know carl that i'm a huge cowboy fan when i used to cover the cowboys in dallas met everybody on the cowboys team uh, of course they're all in old folks homes now <laughs>
6: And they I'm in better and, shape than they are now. And they're all going, where's
1: Earl Farrell these days? <laughs> if they could just form that those words. <laughs> Harvey Too Tall Martin uh, or Harvey Too Tall Jones and uh, Too Tall Jones and Harvey Martin. I mean, oh, Harvey the... Martin's hand was so big, they like wrapped around mine twice when I shook his hand. He's a big man. Huge. And uh, I went to a party there must have been 15 cowboys at that party. I felt like I was you. I felt <laughs> like I was, uh, looking up. <laughs> what did you say when you said you? that's uh, all the facial expression you used when you said you that. like a <laughs> rather <laughs> short and stature,
6: short in <laughs> athletic is that what yeah, you meant to say that's exactly
1: what i meant to say okay cowboys <laughs> uh and giants i'm going with the cowboys
6: i, I think the cowboys are going to start out with a victory
1: right all uh, right smart boy i know he's got uh, buffalo bills at the new york jets and the jets they got their new quarterback i know the,
6: and, but you also got the Bills. They're supposed to be up there, too. That's right. I think Actually, I think this really probably has the capability of being a game of the week.
1: I think it could be, too. This is the Monday night football game.
6: And because I'm going to the Jets game this year, I'm going to kind of jump on that bandwagon. I'm going to go with the Jets on this
1: game. Okay. Yeah. A big J. I think he will, too. And Jets. Across the board, Jets. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, come back here, and we'll be back to pick the uh, Memphis-Arkansas State game. So get ready for that one. So we'll be back. And welcome back on a Thursday afternoon. First NFL football game is tonight uh, on NBC. Kansas City Chiefs and the the Detroit Wheels. (laughs) That's
6: close. That's very close. (laughs) You know, the good part is what you're saying is, Football season is, is now here, full swing. NFL, right. college, high school, all going now. So it is awesome. uh,
1: it's, for people that aren't football fans. It is just a, you know just another day, just another you know month. But for those of us that have been Jonesing for this since the Super Bowl,
6: I think now we have a reason to sit and do nothing all day Saturday and Sunday.
1: Well, I'll do stuff. Yeah, I get up and I go and I say I got to make a sandwich during halftime, mm-hmm. and uh, or Kathy will say. Would you go to the store for me at time. I have time. <laughs> well, I think the other
6: reason football, especially Sunday football, is so popular, everybody they will watch the first quarter, take a nap through the second quarter, wake up about the beginning of the third quarter. And yeah.
1: It's, they, well, and what I love about I've got this thing that's called Red Zone yeah. on cable. And so all it does is show that all the different teams that are playing that day while they're playing when they enter the Red Zone. And so it's all action, and there's no commercials. You don't get to see the Cowboys much then, do you? Even the other team gets in the red zone, Mike.
6: (laughs) Your facial expression, I wish that was just blown up right there.
1: Yeah, because you you know what I was thinking. I didn't have to tell the folks at home what I'm thinking. They know what I was thinking, too. Keep it clean, Earl. That's why I just said, you know, because you know.
6: Always good, but we got Uh, got some good college games coming up this week. We do. We've
1: got uh, the University of Memphis uh, versus Arkansas State. That is 6 o'clock, is it Friday night?
6: Uh, uh, No, this one's on Saturday. Saturday. Yep.
1: Um, And It's
6: an away game, and uh, Memphis should take this one pretty easy, but uh, Arkansas State just took a beating from Oklahoma, so I'm sure they're going to be ready to come out and play, too. Well,
1: Oklahoma's going to beat a lot of people until they get to Texas. Yeah. (laughs) So you're thinking Memphis? Oh, yeah, going to Memphis on that and Colin definitely Smart Memphis man. Ball State Georgia and Ball State there's a there's a juggernaut
6: but just so you know that's where I went to, I went to school at Ball State for about 3 semesters did you uh-huh. that's where that's where the leprechaun story started was it Ball State University just, just so you know you're looking at me like I'm making stuff up that I the thought the day. leprechauns were at
1: Notre Dame
6: I know but that's where the story began was at Ball State it spread to Notre Dame
1: but <laughs> so they, they run the little leprechaun off at Ball State. No, and he no gets... he's still he's still a legend. In
6: fact, I was I talked to uh, one of the owners. It's probably I think it was back in uh, June. I think, and uh, he asked me if I was still wearing the leprechaun outfit. And said, of course,
1: <laughs> especially <laughs> at night. <laughs> what, that's where David Letterman went to school. Yeah, didn't? He, he did,
6: and uh, he knows good school. Um, but I, I don't think they're going. So that's why they made it, because
1: I've never seen them on the list before. That, but you, you thought that was a no, note.
6: I, I put them on there because Georgia's the number one team. That's, that's true. And, and uh, if Georgia doesn't beat them, there's a problem. I but think Georgia all the way because I'm start.
1: going to Georgia oh, on that yeah. one. You going to Georgia? Oh yeah. Even though it's, they're playing your alma mater. I, I
6: like I like Ball State.
1: Georgia for college. Uh, Austin P at Tennessee. Oh, uh, such another close one here. I didn't know anything about Austin P. I'm to think that and Tennessee supposed to be good this year. Uh, supposed to be yeah um
6: but i hate to say it but i'm gonna go with tennessee on this
1: one i, I always hate to say i'm going with tennessee uh, no, man, it's like it. saying i'm voting democrat
6: <laughs> gosh i'm with you on that man that orange and they're always so obnoxious
1: they really are and coming from somebody from texas that's saying a lot <laughs> gosh, you the only don't think i think more obnoxious are the old miss people
6: <laughs> well they're because they're privileged they're not obnoxious they're just privileged yeah
1: they, they they just have better clothes while they're saying it, okay. uh, whatever their obnoxiousness is. Uh, Ole Miss. Speaking of obnoxious, mm-hmm. Ole Miss at Tulane. A tough ball game here. Yeah.
6: I Yeah, uh, Tulane, Tulane has a very very good chance of upset. Uh, so and uh, but I, I I I really think Ole Miss is going to pull it out. I think the bigger team, the uh, so you more players. Ole Miss. I'm, yeah, yeah okay. I'm going with Ole Miss on this one. But
1: uh, Ole Miss, I'm going with Tulane just because I hate them. Yeah, I hate because my kids both went to mississippi state if you like mississippi state you cannot like old miss otherwise i have no grudge against them uh texas at alabama game of the week right there and that's another big t for me i hope i really do i'm not jumping on your
6: bandwagon no, you i just hope. hope they
1: beat alabama yeah,
6: anybody beats alabama is, is a winner. friend of mine
1: that's <laughs> right you say in alabama all right, we know where he's coming from.
6: And FYI, if Tennessee and Alabama play, I pray I pray for a tie. Hey, listen. Just uh, to make everybody mad.
1: <laughs> you, you're going to have to leave uh, before the uh, calling gets off. Let the air out of his tires up there in the parking lot. I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> uh, Kid State at Arkansas.
6: I think Arkansas will take this one pretty easy. I think so,
1: too. And I'll, I'll go along with them. Arkansas. Yeah. Yeah. Until they play somebody I really like. And. Uh, then Arizona and Mississippi State. The Bulldogs, I'm going with Mississippi State.
6: Could be another good ballgame, I think. Uh, pretty even match, but I, I think uh, I think State's going to take this one.
1: Mississippi State and Colin. Mississippi State. And uh, then uh, Notre Dame at North Carolina State. Of I, thought course,
6: that, I thought that game had a lot of interest for you, Earl. Yeah. That's
1: why I picked it. Well, I like Notre Dame unless they're playing Texas,
6: <laughs> and they're big two and zero right now. And,
1: <laughs> they yeah.
6: and after they play NC State, which is going to be a good ball game, they're going to be three and zero.
1: Well, and, and because I, and North Carolina is good, Notre Dame, yeah. that's right. like all the way across the board. Uh, so, so that's uh, that's the lineup for this week, and uh,
6: we, well, you know, there, there's obviously some good games. You've Got Alabama and Texas. The worst part about the beginning of the season, you get so many of the little fluff games in there. That
1: but here's the thing about Alabama or Texas and some of those games, they're so highly ranked and you have to to be able to get into the national championship race. Yeah. If you lose a game right now, your season is in dire straits.
6: That's the one thing I hate about the playoff system. It's fun for when the, when the end of the season, you got those games playing, but all of a sudden it's, it seems like it's a 12-week playoff system because it really is if you lose uh one or two games early uh
1: you're, yeah, you're not yeah and not, and when those with the big boys are out at the second game they might as well hang it up and exactly obviously
6: there's a big difference between some of the sec schools and some of the smaller ones when an SEC school loses
1: two games, but
6: that is what it is, But is.
1: All right, Mike's got to go uh, do a football game. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Earl. We'll see you next Wednesday. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we're going to talk to a lady about uh, 9-11 tribute. I think you're going to find it very interesting, so stay with us.
0: Now, back to the Earl Farrell for Memphis show, brought to you by Southern Security, your home team credit union, and by Kathy Thurman Edwards State Farm Insurance. Once again, Earl Farrell. And thank you very much,
1: and welcome back on this uh, Thursday afternoon here in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, my next guest is uh, a TV pro. She was with Fox Cable, CNBC, uh, guest hosted for a number of other networks, writes for a Parade Magazine. She teaches. She also has a podcast uh, that's called Good For You Radio. And she's got a special coming up on 9-11 uh, called Never Again 9-11. Uh, we've got C.C. Carter on the phone. She lives in New York City. Good afternoon, C.C.
5: I'm so happy to be joining you all.
1: Well, I am, too. i got to tell you, uh, I talked to Victoria, who set this up, uh, who's my good friend in Washington, D.C., and she said, I want you to listen to this before you even talk to her, and I did. And I told her, we're going to have to do the interview first and then play the a segment of this upcoming podcast, because i got to tell you, it really broke me up. Even thinking about it now it does it was something and it's something that so many people they did the, the the memorials to 9-11 are almost sterile compared to what you did and uh and then biden is not even going to be in new york he's going to be in alaska if you can believe that
5: yeah well you know it's interesting i'm so interested in your reaction to what i wrote About two months after 9-11, I lived in downtown New York. I went through it as one of the people living in a war zone for a period of time. And I walked down to the World Trade Center to pay my respects, and I went to what was called the Teddy Bear Memorial site. And what was so heartbreaking were all the people that left posters and notes and poems. And even though the air still smelled and I wasn't wearing a mask, I wanted to write down what people had left because they left their hearts yeah. on that wall. And that's what I did. So I wrote it down, and then I recorded it. And then last year, when I was listening to all the documentaries and watching the Memorial again, as I do every year, and all the people holding up the pictures of their loved ones, I sat down and I wrote Never Again Should There Be 9-11. And in addition to making it an audio, we just released it on the Good For You Network, our YouTube channel because it is powerful and it was meant to bring people together. But also we have to ask ourselves, what could have been done to prevent it? Newsweek did a very good article, a series about America failed to stop the terrorist attacks. And I'm very much a queen of prevention. What can we do to prevent something as horrific from happening again?
1: Well also, uh, you'll hear this part, which is very emotional and it's about those letters that were left behind and it will touch you. I mean, I told Victoria, I said, I want to go to break right after that because I don't, uh, you know, it, it does choke you up. But it would, if you could hang in with me, I would like to come back from after we play that and go to break because I, I listened to your other segment of the podcast about why nobody was ever held accountable, why they're allowing millions of people to cross our borders. I mean, it's an invasion. It's absolutely an invasion. And now your mayor in New York City, I just read a story earlier about him saying that, uh, this is just not right. They're letting all these hundred thousand people in into New York city and they're spending billions to take care of them. Those are all very good questions. Why is it continuing to happen? Why is nobody stopping this? And so if you can, I would like you to hang around. Uh, do you have time to do that after the break?
5: I'll be happy to do that. And I would love to talk about how we came together then yes. 22 years ago. And how do we do it again? That's my message. How do we bring people together to talk with each other, to agree to disagree with each other, but to bring them together to prevent something like this from ever happening again? That's one thing we all agree on.
1: And we do. I cannot think of the last time we were that united. I grew up, I was graduating from high school in 1969, right in the middle of Vietnam. We certainly were not united then. Um, And then it wasn't until when you saw uh, President Bush stand up on the back of that pickup truck and said, "We, we will... Not forget this, and we are coming for you. I, I just—I've never seen the entire country and more American flags everywhere. And then they turned us all against each other. Is what they did, and that—and that's I think another reason they've diluted 9/11. They don't want us to be united.
5: Well, I will tell you that that night I walked up Eighth Avenue from Hudson Street in New York City, and there was an armada of rescue vehicles. Paramedics from all over the country were coming in to rescue us, and I had tears streaming down my face. And I will also tell you that two days later, we all poured out of our buildings because there were rescue workers coming up the street on a flatbed truck, and they were standing, and they were standing tall, and they were dirty, and everybody came out. To applaud them and give them a standing ovation, that's what brought us together. With tears streaming down our face as we were thanking them, and they needed the applause, and we needed to applaud them. We need to remember that.
1: Well, we do. We need to applaud each other and support each other. And uh, it goes back to united we stand, divided we fall, and I think there are plenty of influences out there that want to divide us. Uh,
5: Well, and I would also tell you, Earl, that I attended a sermon that Sunday, And everybody was there, it was called Making Sense of the Senseless, and the message to get across, which I do, and never again should there be a 9-11, we need to make sure that these people did not die in vain, that we do good in their name, and that's why I did these pieces, to do good in their name, to remember and honor not only those who left us that day, but those who survived, the rescue workers, the recovery people, as well as all the people whose lives will never be the same because they lost loved ones, and we were all traumatized in a way. So that's the purpose of these pieces. They're moving, they're emotional, and um, they're meant to touch and think, and obviously, as I said, hopefully to prevent this from ever happening again.
1: Absolutely. Here's her creation, Never Again 9-11, and then we're going to go straight to break, and then we'll come back and talk to Cece uh, a bit more, so stay with us.
2: Two months after the attacks on the World Trade Center, I walked down to the site to pay my respects to those who had died. There were some makeshift memorial sites where people had left cards and notes, and I wrote down some of what they left, because I wanted to remember, and I want to share that with you right now. Quote, if you love someone, put their name in a circle, because hearts can break but circles go on forever. Rain Girardot wrote this on a poster sent by the fifth and sixth graders from Carbondale Community School in Colorado. The poster was part of a memorial display on a fence at St. Paul's Cathedral close to the World Trade Center. And then there was this written on a card left at a memorial site overlooking the World Trade Center. We can reach out and give and then reach out some more. We can help make a difference like never before. We can take a close look deep within our own hearts, stop any prejudice right where it starts. We can vow to respect every faith, every creed, knowing each offers comforts to spirits in need. We can make this America's best shining hour and ask for the wisdom to help guide our power. We can keep candles burning and proud flags unfurl. We can pray for our nation. We can pray for the world. We owe it to ourselves, to our country, to each American who has suffered so deeply, to always remember September 11th in our hearts and do whatever we can to make a difference in the world. written author unknown a typewritten note left at the same memorial site half of the note had even weathered away quote if I knew that it would be the last time that I'd see you fall asleep I would touch you tuck you in more tightly and pray the Lord your soul to keep if I knew it'd be the last time that I'd see you walk out the door I would give you a hug and a kiss and call you back for one more. If I knew it would be the last time I'd hear your voice lifted up in praise, I would videotape each action and work so I could play them back day after day. If I knew it would be the last time I could spare a minute or two to stop and say, I love you, instead of assuming you would know I do, If I knew it would be the last time I would be there to share your day, well, I'm sure you'll have so many more, so I can just let this one slip away. There will always be another day to say, I love you. And certainly, there will be another chance. And then a child wrote, I love you, Daddy. We miss you so much. Lisa. We miss you all. We pay our respects and we remember all those who died, all those who survived. We will never forget.
1: And welcome back on this uh, Thursday afternoon. We've uh, got CC Carter uh, on the line from New York City. She is the creator and host of a podcast called Good for You Radio, and she just produced a, a segment called Never Again 911, which will run on 911. And, and CC, you say it's available now uh, on your podcast, uh, recorded or on uh, YouTube?
5: Uh, right, it's available at the Good for You Network. Um, a YouTube channel and also Talkers.com. I have Good For You Radio on as part of Podjockey on Talkers.com and so you can get the link there as well. And it just went up. And it starts very personally, Earl. It starts with me talking about a man called his wife to say, I love you. Say this message your whole life. All he had was his phone. He knew he wasn't going to make it home. And we see a shot of what the World Trade Center used to look like and the tops of the buildings, and it goes into the clouds, and then from there dissolves into the hallway with all the dust and the rescue workers that were going up the stairs, and you see the burned-down staircase, how people came together to help each other and to survive. And so it is a very emotional piece, and yet it also asks the question about what could have been done to thwart these attacks and what do we do in the future to prevent it because so many people are hurting. You know, you never get over loss. You no. have to learn to live with it. Anybody who's dealt with grief and mourning of a loved one knows you don't get over it. You learn a little bit better each day, each year how to live with it. And I really want to reach... You know, there was a unity. NBC News did a whole story about how we were unified then and what's happened. And so I hope this piece is thought provoking, but that it gets people to want to come together. There are images of people. And the one thing that we can all relate to, you see the pain on somebody's face. It's sad and it's sobering, but it also touches you and you want to hug somebody. You want to hug them. And there's one image of a woman who's being hugged from the behind this man who puts his arms around her, and there are these two women, and one is embracing the other. These are the images I will remember. And then there's the dust, and there is one woman when I asked, when I asked in the video, you know, how do you make sense of the shame? How do you make sense of of this, the senselessness of it all? And she's like covered over with dust, like a statue, completely covered over with dust. And so I do pose and I show Christy Whitman had said we, years later, we did the best with what we knew at the time. As a New Yorker, I would say this living in downtown New York, why not just have said to us, you know what, we just don't know. We don't know. If for the sake of caution, we're advising that pregnant women and children and the elderly and people with respiratory diseases leave that area. That would have been such a good thing to do. I wish I had left it at that time, and I wish that the children going to school at Stuyvesant High School and their teachers were not required to come back 30 days later to the Stuyvesant High School that was right across the street. So we need to learn from those things. I don't know you know, why they said what they did, but if you can't breathe the air, then it can't be safe. That's one of the things that I say in the piece. But in the end, it's really about people, and I end it. With the only time you really see the World Trade Center, the new one, and the phantom lights. And we go into a close-up of those phantom lights, and through it, we dissolve to the faces of those who left us. And we always have to remember them. I said the sermon brought together that Sunday. Everybody, somebody gave me a little teddy bear to hug. We all held hands, and we sang, you know, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. It was people of different ages and religions and backgrounds and ethnicities. But we came together and we can't forget that, that feeling of coming together during something like that. That was the most horrendous, horrific thing. And I pray for all of us that we never go through something like that again. So that's why I wrote Never Again Should There Be a 9-11. Um, the music from the other piece, Reflections on 9-11, I want to thank Gun Hill Road. Their beautiful music and with Never Again Should There Be a 9-11. David Friedman is an amazing composer. Wrote "Help is on the way" from places you don't even know about today, for friends you haven't even met yet. Hear me when I say, "Help is on the way." He provided the music that he performed, and I sent out that piece to people. That's beautiful. Uh,
1: well, I think that uh, what you've done is, is you made people think about things they haven't thought about mm-hmm. since 9/11, and you, you really there's there's kids to, that are alive today, young adults uh, that weren't around. Uh, for nine eleven, and have no real recall of it and it is i just said biden's not going to be there i, I guarantee the networks won't cover it like they did five years ago certainly not like 10 years ago and so uh you have to continue to have people that who do remember it will never forget it and do creative things like this to keep the memory alive because we really can't forget something as horrible as this and and also as you said learn from it i mean when you got people Warning over the, our southern border, and they're welding uh, gates that have been cut open and welding them open. They just got a court order yesterday to stop Texas and their pontoon down the middle of the Rio Grande uh, to um, move it back to shore, so even more people can come across. We have no idea who these people are.
5: Well, you know, something, two things. One, in New York City, they do every year do a good job. The local stations of honoring and doing the memorial so that everybody can get up there and read the names. But I do refer to the fact that there are lots of good people that can be coming here for lots of good reasons. But what I say is it only takes a few. And even last week, CNN had a story, and it was picked up, um, that... Apparently, there was somebody with an ISIS sympathizer um, that they knew about, and he might have brought in illegal people. So it's not pointing a finger. I'm not going to get into the whole thing well, about immigration. It's just saying that it just takes a few people who are terrorists to come through. And are we protecting ourselves from that?
1: Cece, oh, we got please. a hard break. i got to go. But thank you so much for coming and visiting Wednesday, and a great job you've done.
5: Thank you, girl, for caring so much.
1: Yes, ma'am. All right, that's it for us today. We'll be back tomorrow, Friday, okay, same time.